Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's Beamaz and Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. Hello. Nine o'clock on WBEN, and you're with Beamaz and Beamer. Thanks so much yeah. for hanging out with us this morning. Good morning. It's the beginning of the week. It's a Monday morning. It's beautiful outside, Brian. I, I couldn't be happier to be here right now. Really? I was going to say the opposite. It's beautiful outside, so I can't believe I'm stuck in here and not outside enjoying, uh, you know, the nice weather. You know, I was trying to, I was trying to boost it up for the air. <laughs> I was, I, if only I could crack open, you know, one of these, when it gets some of that. Uh, it looks beautiful, and it's going to stay that way throughout the rest of the week. Uh, awesome start to our week here on a Monday and uh, looking forward to, you know, getting things going this weekend. Maybe looking forward to something changing, right, here in New York. Something I would hope so. kind of loosening up. You know, you being able to breathe in some of that fresh air a little more easily around here because everyone's waiting on the same thing, and that's those mask guidelines to somewhat be loosened or something to change here across New York State. There are uh, a group of county executives, six of them from both parties, who have publicly said to the governor, Hey, can we do something here? When are we going to uh, loosen our mask mandate to uh, go along with what the CDC says? Or at the very least, come up with a date where we can do that, or a date where some of these restrictions will come off. Maybe it's a metric where some of these restrictions will come off. Right now, New York stands with New Jersey and Hawaii as the only states that do not have a clear indication of when the mask mandate will be gone or when any of these COVID restrictions will not be here. Will New York be the next state? I I, I, I put my money on Hawaii, really. It was seven states on Friday. Now, as Brian said, just one of three. And, uh, you know, we've got... I'd say New Jersey. New Jersey, if I had to guess, would be the next. Here's and then why I, Hawaii, I think, is kind of, I don't know. But New York and New Jersey have kind of been doing things together since the beginning of this. So I, uh, that's why I pick Hawaii. I think it's the one that's not, in, not related, like uh, New York and New Jersey seem to be at times during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, well, here to help us sort through it just a little bit, from Johns Hopkins U- University, Dr. Amish Adalija, to talk about the CDC guidelines and what it might mean. And as far as restrictions here in New York and across the rest of the country. Dr. Adalja, thanks so much for being on with us once again. Uh, your initial reaction when you heard that late last week from the CDC, uh, what were you thinking? I was applauding. This was a recognition of the value of the vaccines and the CDC really kind of moving from their overly cautious stance where they basically undermine confidence in the vaccine by 
kind of giving the impression that nothing changes when you're fully vaccinated to really embracing the science and the efficacy of these vaccines and, and actually providing an incentive for people to be fully vaccinated by illustrating how their life gets back to normal once they're fully vaccinated. When you talk about that, uh, you know, it's a recognition by the CDC of the value of the vaccines and kind of it's almost the CDC catching up to what we've known for a long time. If you are fully vaccinated, you can pretty much return to the normal life you had in 2019 and before that. A lot of people we have spoken with have said they were surprised by the CDC's recommendation, uh, surprised by the announcement last week. Not so much because of what they said, but that it was them who said it, right? Uh, Does that, you know, uh, illustrate uh, not just a disconnect, but maybe a problem with our public health messaging and where it stands right now that even amongst people who have recognized for some time that if you're fully vaccinated, that is your ticket to uh, normalcy and not having to fear COVID at all, that Finally, the CDC is catching up to it, and people are surprised that they're doing so. Yeah, I do think that the CDC in the Biden administration has been overly cautious, and that might be because during the Trump administration, they were kind of injected with politics and lost a lot of their credibility. So they may have overcorrected. And we've seen them be cautious, have baby steps that really were basically resulting in public health guidance lagging what people were doing and lagging what people needed to hear in terms of how to how to do things safely. And I think that's what that, that's a problem. If, if the guidance is, is telling people it's okay to do things you're already doing, like the CDC guidance for vaccinated people meeting with other vaccinated people or, or traveling or not wearing masks outdoors, that, that really makes the guidance completely irrelevant. We want the CDC to be proactive. We want them to teach people how to risk calculate. And we want them to really is, is in con- time about the efficacy of these vaccines we want them to say that and i think that's this is the cdc getting back to where i want it to be and i think that people who are criticizing or are surprised by the cdc uh, i think they're off base because uh, what we know is that the virus treats vaccinated people very different than unvaccinated people so everybody should treat vaccinated people different because they are no longer a threat to them you know, the CDC guidance, and as you said, those who are criticizing them, uh, you, you have the National Nurses United uh, that came out and said this is not the time to get rid of those mask recommendations. Uh, what do you say to their criticism of the CDC? I would like the, the National Nurses um, Group to actually point to the science that a vaccinated person is dangerous to somebody else. I mean, what more science do we need about wearing about vaccinated people wearing masks, vaccinated people going back to their activities. The science all, all has one answer. So I don't know what time they would be looking for for when it's okay for vaccinated people to not take off, to, to take off their masks. I don't know what criteria they're using because every study, including real-world data from countries like Israel, shows that a fully vaccinated person is not a threat to others. This brings up kind of the next part in this, and that is, uh, what do you do? Uh, It's the question of a lot of businesses over the weekend. It's a question a lot of states, some have already answered. Others, uh, like here in New York, are still kind of uh, dealing with and wondering, where do you go from here in terms of your COVID restrictions? Uh, New York, as we stand now, is one of just a few states across the entire country that doesn't have either a date or a criteria for lifting all COVID restrictions. 
in your mind, with everything you've looked at over the past couple of years, how important is it to you to have some sort of goal or finish line uh, to this entire pandemic, as we've seen in a lot, well, most other states? I think it's critical. When you have governors instituting public health emergency measures, they have to be tied to metrics that are transparent, that are visible, that everybody can see so that they know what's driving actions. And that's been missing throughout this pandemic, where you've got kind of unending or undefined metrics that are driving things. So nobody knows what's coming next. There's no predictability. It becomes very uh, disruptive, more disruptive than it needs to be. And I think that that's what we, we need to do, because we are ending the public health emergency phase of this pandemic. We, are, we have successfully decoupled cases and hospitalizations and deaths because the vaccine went to high-risk individuals. Over 70% of people above the age of 65 are fully vaccinated. So we've tamed the virus and removed its ability to threaten hospitals, which was the initial driving factor for the public health emergency, trying to flatten the curve to keep hospital capacity sustained. And I think we've done that. Now we're at a point where cases are falling, hospitalizations are falling, deaths are falling, Vaccine, vaccines are, are you know, now into about over 37 percent of the, the whole U.S. population is fully vaccinated. We're kind of at that tipping point where we've got to start thinking about how do we move forward now where we've created we, we've we've got this virus now that's much more tame, like I said, and more like other respiratory viruses like influenza because our high risk populations are so highly vaccinated. So we've got to start thinking about how do we get back to normalcy and, and how do we. Uh, how do we learn to teach people to risk calculate? Because COVID is not going away. It's just not going to be a public health emergency anymore. You know, to that point that you're mentioning, I'm trying to figure out what the reasoning could be, what rationale there could be for continuing, uh, especially indefinitely like we have here in New York, continuing this level of restriction with what you said, with the high-risk people having had now uh, about five months to get vaccinated, to be a part of that. Uh, if you're over 65 years old, if you have a serious comorbidity that would lead to hospitalization or death from COVID, it would seem like that wave of hospitalizations, the fear of that would be, I mean, extremely mitigated. Uh, we hear uh, about variants, but I mean, everything we hear, it, it seems to be more fear-mongering than it is based off of any fact. You know, we, we kept hearing again about the U.K. variant proven to be more dangerous to children or young people from, you know, the Saskatchewan premier, from Angela Merkel, from people over here, when that is clearly not the case. Um, you know, it might be more viral, but it's certainly not more dangerous in terms of the impact on uh, somebody. So with all of this that we know, with the continuing vaccination and with the people who we have been most worried about having long had that ability to get the vaccine. I, I'm wondering if, you know, there is something that you might be able to point to as any sort of reason why we'd still have these restrictions in place, especially indefinitely. To me, it's a little bit puzzling. I don't know what metric they're using. I, it may be that they're tying it to cases and trying to get cases 10 to 20,000 per day something that would be kind of comparable to what influenza would be if you average it over a, uh, average it over a year is also could be the case that they're wanting more uh, the vaccination to get above a certain threshold. We, we know that president Biden has talked about getting a single dose 70% into, into all America, all eligible Americans, I believe by, uh, by a certain date. And th th those types of things might be driving some of the metrics, but to, to me, it's, it's, it's going to become less and less, 
important because as our vaccinations get to maybe approximately 40 percent of the U.S. population fully vaccinated, we'll likely see a precipitous decline in cases the way Israel did. And I think that a lot of measures are going to be considered kind of moot at that point because cases will fall. Our percent positivity nationally is less than 5 percent. I think we're doing good. We're on north of us like Canada are in a different situation, but that's because they haven't been able to get vaccine into arms. We've been able to do that. And I think that's, that's all we were trying to do is to not to eradicate or eliminate a virus that can't be eradicated or eliminated, but to remove its ability to threaten us the way it could. And, and that's, that's been achieved. Doctor, what do you think? You mentioned, you know, down to 20,000 cases might be what they're looking for. And you also mentioned that COVID is, you know, it's going to always be here. We're not going to completely get rid of it. So when we get down to where COVID is, you know, we're vaccinated, those who are vaccinated, wanting to get vaccinated are vaccinated. What is that case number per day when we can say, all right, I mean, this is what COVID is going to look like uh, throughout the world. And it's something we're going to have to deal with. What is that case number per day, do you think? Do we, I think uh, we're either losing them or you're breaking up. Do you, can you still hear us, doctor? I think right. we lost his connection. Yeah, <laughs> uh, unfortunately lost his connection, uh, which is too bad because it was all great, as always, with Dr. Adalja, great information that he's got for us. But I think that's something, you know, once we are out of this, once people who are vaccinated, want to get vaccinated are vaccinated, once we test this on, on the youth of America, uh, I, I think that people want to know, what's that case number? Yeah. Because like he mentioned, 20,000 a day is what we see during flu season. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I think we have Dr. Dalja back with us, you know, to what Joe was saying. And I think it's the greater question to that point is, are we at the point or near where uh, there has to be that balance, right, of we have this vaccine out there. Anyone who wants it can get it. Anyone who wants it can be fully vaccinated. We can't force you to uh, take a vaccine, but we can foster in the return to normal life. You know, at some point it has to be, listen, here's the vaccine. You either want it or you don't. We're, you know, we're back to where we were in 2019 uh, regardless. So we have to be nearing that point, I'd imagine. In my mind, I've been someone that's always really had all of this driven by hospital capacity concerns. And once hospital capacity concerns were removed from the equation because of the vaccination of high-risk individuals like nursing home residents and community dwelling elderly, then I think we're dealing with something different than what we started with. We're dealing with the respiratory virus that, that's in, going to become endemic. It's going to become seasonal. There's, it's still important to, to try not to get infected. It's still important to get vaccinated. It's still important for businesses and, and other organizations to think about mitigation measures. But then I think from a government standpoint, I think that, that, that the government – the impetus for government action is kind of gone at that point. And, and I think we've not had that kind of legal framework for public health emergencies really well defined because it's, it's unclear to me what, what metrics drive things in one state versus in another state. So, for example, you know, two blue states, New York and my home state of Pennsylvania, one of them is following the CDC guidance. The other was not. So Pennsylvania has a, has a Democrat governor, and, and, we, and we've aligned ourselves completely with the CDC guidance, yet New York hasn't. So there's a lot of other variables here that I think are driving this rather than just concerns for hospital capacity. And, and I think we have to really hold people accountable when, to, to actually articulate what, what's driving certain measures in certain places.
You know, and I want to just touch on that vaccine uh, again. I know studies are still being done and, and we won't know the, the answer to this. Uh, but what do you think when we're talking COVID-19? Are, are we going to be talking about a yearly vaccine? Is this a vaccine that's going to have to be adjusted as different variants um, are prevalent throughout the United States? What's your opinion post-pandemic of COVID-19 and the vaccine? It's too early to know because we haven't had people vaccinated long enough to know whether or not they need a booster. And to me, you want to see uh, the threshold for a booster is you get people whose immunity has waned and they get they get a breakthrough infection. And that breakthrough infection is serious enough to land them in the hospital. And that's exceedingly rare so far. And the same is true for a variant that you see somebody get a breakthrough infection with a variant and the variant infection is strong enough to land them in the hospital. We haven't really seen that yet. So I don't think that we're at that point yet. It's important to prepare to do the studies. It's important for the FDA to make an expedited pathway so that that booster shots could get approved if necessary. But but I don't think we've crossed that threshold to pull the trigger on the need for boosters yet. And there's a lot more studies and a lot more information we need to be able to say that definitively. That idea of a breakthrough infection uh, kind of got some news last week. The New York Yankees have about uh, it was seven or eight coaches and players uh, involved where they've all been vaccinated. Uh, they've all got the same vaccine, but they tested positive for COVID. I- I'm wondering how common that might be. And, you know, what exactly that positive test means? You know, we kind of uh, read it to mean, okay, well, uh, they tested positive for COVID. They have COVID, even though they have the vaccine. Oh, no, are they going to be okay? All of them asymptomatic. Um, You know, is it fair to, it could even be a false negative or a false positive uh, when you're talking about this test. Is it fair to look at somebody who tests positive after vaccination and necessarily assume that they are, you know, a contagious person? And what is your opinion on after you've been vaccinated, should you be tested at all unless you have severe symptoms? The CDC guidance says if someone is fully vaccinated, there is no reason to test them unless they are symptomatic. So the Major League Baseball Association, they need to stop testing fully vaccinated individuals just for this exact reason. Because when you detect these breakthrough infections, they are not clinically significant, meaning they don't have any symptoms, they don't have any risk, and they're not associated with the viral load high enough to transmit to somebody. So we've got to stop testing asymptomatic, fully vaccinated people. Um, and there are many organizations that continue to do this. And, and it, it really under it, it, it gets headlines in the press. Bill Maher also has a breakthrough infection now. All of it really uh, kind of pushes towards the vaccine hesitancy, when, the way that this type of thing is reported. When you look at breakthrough infections, zero, 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 and then a number. So that percentage of people. So that is negligible in my mind. And the, ones, and, the, and the breakthrough infections that actually are severe enough that people have symptoms or land them in the hospital, that's even much, much more rare. So we need to really recalibrate our testing now and, and stop testing people who are fully vaccinated just to see or for screening purposes or whatever, because uh, it, it really is going to give you these kind of results that are hard to actually interpret. And they are clinically meaningless if those people are, are, not, are, not, are not symptomatic and don't have enough viral load to transmit. Hey, uh, always great stuff, and thanks so much for being with us. Dr. Amesha Dalja with Johns Hopkins University, who has been taking a look at the COVID pandemic throughout the entirety of the past year, has been with us for uh, much of the past half hour. And that last point is so important, that more and more real-world, real-life experiences with this vaccine, people who do test positive are not getting other people sick. Mm -hmm. You look at these breakthrough cases, you mentioned the Yankees. Only one was symptomatic and the other six asymptomatic. No one else on the team but those seven uh, got COVID. 
and 85% of the team was vaccinated with Johnson & Johnson. I think it's very important. You know, early on, we didn't know, but it's very unlikely that even if you test positive for COVID after being vaccinated, that you would spread that to someone else and that you would have a symptomatic case of COVID-19. Well, it's a little behind the times, right? Over in the UK, they started to, they give COVID tests to everybody to, uh, you know, test themselves. And it seems like a great idea but it seems like a great idea back in, you know, March or April of 2020. Yes. Uh, testing asymptomatic people when they've been vaccinated. And then, you know, if you do have a positive test result, whether that is a false positive or it is, you know, one of these so-called breakthrough cases where you don't really have the ability to spread it to somebody else and you don't have to worry about yourself with any symptoms because you've been vaccinated might do more harm than good in the long run. That's what uh, Dr. Adalja, some of the things he's saying there. A great interview with him. Again, once uh, the show is up online on your podcast app, your Odyssey app, or at WBEN.com, you can relive that. And when we come back, uh, we want to know a little bit from you. We want to hear what is your return? Has anything changed for you over the last four days, especially when it comes to work? Did you get any memos from the office? (laughs) Hey, we got to return to the office. Hey, maybe you don't have to wear a mask inside quite as much or all the time like you did before especially if you're vaccinated has anything changed for you 8030930 is how you get in touch and Joe's got a great story about my favorite topic the New York State Thruway Authority it's 928 you're listening to BMAS and Beamer on WBEM worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole well good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are they find ripe avocado like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's Beamaz and Beamer. Now, Brian Mazarowski and Joe Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. Hey, if you missed the first half hour of the show, you're going to want to check it out on demand wherever you uh, download your podcast and uh, WBEN.com with Dr. Adalja from Johns Hopkins University. Kind of on that question of, you know, when is it time? What uh, what do we do here with the CDC guidance? Uh, What do you think about that? And with all the numbers that we're seeing, 
New York being one of only a few states that do not have any sort of date or metric to reopen. When is the time? And uh, he had some really good insight on that. Again, WBEN.com. We're also asking you if anything's changed over the past four days, right, since that CDC guidance. I would assume that would mean, well, you know, maybe not because uh, most places would be waiting on the state, right, to see what happens here in New York. But is there some inkling? Is there a feeler being put out on are you returning to the office? Are, you know, is uh, maybe the restrictions being laxed a little bit in the office? Is something changing? Are more people going back? I, I don't think that's happening here. Here is in New York State or here is in Odyssey? Here is in where we are no, right now. Yes, no. I still am seeing the same faces. That is not happening here. But, you know, Brian, you had the CDC guidance on Thursday. And Saturday was the day the state uh, went to 75% capacity in offices. So the next move, I think, would be obviously the state saying, hey, we're following the CDC. But as this texter said um, at 803-0930, Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board, uh, they don't believe their employer is going to be back in the building till September. I hear a lot of that, that a lot of businesses have set that month of September as the date to come back. And I'm not sure many are going to change it uh, just because of the um, the guidance from the CDC. I'm a little. Are you surprised in that? I'm surprised just because if I was like an office manager or something like that, and I'm looking at oh, the yeah. situation, and I, you know, summer is the time where typically less. It feels like less work. I don't know if less work actually gets done. I think it depends on your field. Yeah, it kind of feels more vacations definitely taken yes. in the summer. Um, you have that, and there's definitely a more you know, there's these summer hours sometimes, like Fridays are like half days in some offices. You're leaving a little bit early. You yeah. have that. That happens here for everyone but the on-air talent. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still pushing for those summer hours for uh, the morning show, 730, and we're done maybe someday soon. But uh, a lot of the, we're getting a lot of that that at the earliest September is when people are, are moving back. And I just feel like as an office manager, you're kind of like in a normal summer. Maybe it's hard to kind of get the productivity up to where it usually is. In a summer where no one's even in the office, I, it, to me it's that harder. And I know that different people work different. For some people, remote work is better. They get more, There's less distraction of being in the office. You're not traveling, so you're saving the time on the road and you know anything else that you have to think of. And you're just getting your work done, and maybe you're more productive. I don't think I'm that type of person where if you left me at home – I would and to work from home, no matter what the job is, that I would be more productive. I don't think that would be no. the case with me. No, I'd be traveling with my computer, especially this summer. After a year of doing nothing, after a year of no traveling, I mean, I'm not going to say any names, but I could point to a few people who I think have been working from the road for the last few months, uh, and I think that's more likely to do so. Hey. We're not going back to the office till September. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go on vacation, bring my computer so I can go yeah. to those Zoom meetings, and then when I get back to the office in September, I still have all that vacation time. That's, that's right. <laughs> and I got a nice tan, right? Yeah. I mean, come on. I uh, So there's that. There's the return to the office, which I don't know if that's uh, really happening. And certainly, uh, at least until New York changes some of their uh, guidelines when it comes to masking or distancing in the office. And then there's the... Just general, if you are in the office, just the general maybe tone on how uptight things have been. Because if you are in the office, things are definitely more rigid. You know, a lot of, it's you're to your desk 
or the bathroom. You know, the break room is either non-existent or it's like extremely oh, yeah. distant from each other. You have to sit six feet apart from the nearest person at the lunchroom. One person in the break room at a time. Yeah, there's that kind of thing. You know, maybe your uh, kitchen's closed. Um, you don't have the amenities you, you used to have. Um, and then you're getting the reminders like, hey, make sure you're putting the mask on. Make sure you're doing this. Somebody just chimed in, 8030930. How about the emails? on how to properly wash your hands or dispose of a tissue after blowing your nose. It's like kindergarten all over again. And I I think there's a lot of that that maybe I, I would imagine is becoming a little, I don't know, more relaxed if you're in the workplace because I can see how that, you know, if somebody sends one thing out March of 2020, like, hey, this is, you know, new virus out here, reminder, Wash your hands, do this, you know, okay. But if you're constantly getting those emails, like, hey, did you know, fold the tissue over and, uh, you know, make sure you dispose of it in a wastebasket, that could get really annoying really fast. Yeah. Hey, the washing hand things, as someone who's observed other people washing their hands, I I think more people need those emails. I think more people need a a guidance on how to fully lather. You sing happy birthday twice. Or is that brushing your teeth? I don't know. One or the other. While you're washing your hands. I think that's washing your hands. Yeah. You can't sing happy birthday while you're brushing your teeth. Well, in your head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, I, I had a toothbrush that would play a song until I was supposed to stop brushing my teeth. Until one last year? I was going to say had. I still use it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. I, and then, but I can see where it would get annoying. But I also see where there, there are people that, you know, if we've learned something from COVID-19, could mm-hmm. you at least... Look like you're washing your hands. Could you do a common courtesy? I I will say there's something to that, right? I will always and have always, if there's somebody else in the area, I have always at least pretended to wash my hands. There it is. That's a common courtesy, <laughs> right? I have not always, you know, uh, done the full birthday song in my head twice while uh, lathering and rinsing and right. soaping. I don't think many people. Sometimes, I mean, I think for a lot of people, washing your hands at the bathroom is you put the soap on your hands and you just run it underwater until the soap washes yes, off, yeah. right? Is yeah. that? And then you do the, the flick of the hands and then right to the paper towel. Yeah. Paper towel better than nothing. I always feel, I, there's no paper, when I go to the uh, gym bathroom, they only have the air blower. Which you think of all the, you can't drink out of a uh, drinking fountain, but you can have recycled air just blowing in your face, and that's fine. Makes no sense. The gym of all places, there's paper towels all over the I gym know. floor, and but I, they're not in the locker room. So I go out with dripping hands, <laughs> and then I try and find the that's nearest exactly what I do. towel and you know dry off that way. Somebody pointing out that you know it took the state three weeks after the CDC released their school guidance that's right. to match up with what the CDC said. Three weeks long. So, uh, you know, you're. <laughs> we might be waiting here for another couple of weeks for uh, anything to really meaningfully happen across the state. I think it'll be very interesting how you can, con- can continue to make excuses for sticking with the old guidance while 47 other states out there have a plan to get their citizens back to normal before August. We were talking uh, months uh, off the air. Before the month of August, 47 states will be back to normal without a mandate. And now you see multiple businesses, and I had to remind people of this yesterday when we were talking about Trader Joe's, Walmart, and Costco. That goes for businesses that are in states that don't have mandates. So you can't go into Walmart without a mask in New York State because it is still a mandate in the state of New York. Yeah, well, all right. Uh, It's... (laughs) 
it's conf- <laughs> we'll, we'll wait and see. Maybe something will be said as soon as today. You can never really tell what happens here in New York. You have a bigger fish to fry, Joe, because you were telling me the story. It's on my favorite topic, which is complaining about tolls. And your your situation is so – I thought I had a rough situation where I had the easy pass. For some reason, it doesn't read through what – even though I have money in my account – um, and you know, it says I don't have enough money in my, I, I don't, I only have $15 in my account, which you need to have more than $15 to go through a $2 toll, you know, basically is what I was told back. And then all of a sudden you're fined $50 because your easy pass wasn't up to snuff enough to go through the toll. And it becomes this whole thing. I thought I had it bad this year's long uh, fight. You come in with an even worse story. This it's ridiculous. So I get, I get in the mail on Friday a bill that I have a tolls by mail, which makes no sense because I have an easy pass, a funded easy pass, by the way, that I do check on the app Tolls New York. So well I, funded. I mean, you fund that easy pass. You're like 401k money is just going into the easy pass account. Well, hey, I'm prepared for a college football season this year, Brian, and I don't want to get stuck with there's no money on your easy pass. You get the red light and then you get the 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 bill. So a funded easy pass, ready to go, and I get this bill. So I go online, tollsbymailny.com, and I see not only does it say current toll bill, which I disputed and the dispute was corrected because if you go on the EasyPass website, it has every toll it paid for. So it's right there on their website. So I get that disputed. However, I have $816 worth of violations for the late payments on the toll bill's that I didn't really have because I have an easy pass. Say that again. Over $800. Yes. $816.66. Right now, my easy pass, the lowest it's been in a while, down to $12. All these tolls, by the way, were 15 cent tolls or $1 tolls going over the bridge. And according to the state of New York, I owe them $816. Eight hundred and sixteen down. You had the Easy Pass. It was reading yes. the Easy Pass the whole time. Yes, and I went on. That's one of the reasons I. The have Easy the Pass app. was paid. Yes, and yet still somehow you have a late fee that amounts to over eight hundred dollars. Eight hundred and sixteen dollars with an Easy Pass, and it's not one of those. You know, because I thought, what what the hell's going on? But it's not one of these Easy Passes that you know people have and they they share. It's in your car. It's in their car. This is an Easy Pass with my license plate registered. All anything that could have gone wrong, I thought I had uh, figured out, and then I get this one bill. Now the bill in the mail didn't mention the violations, right? So I look at that. I go, this will be an easy dispute. You know, twelve dollars. That's an easy dispute. It was on my Easy Pass, and it was disputed. I, I want to make that point. I didn't have to pay the the bill that was in the mail. They didn't waive the violations though, and now I'm sitting on eight hundred and sixteen dollar violations, and I'm getting. Daily reminders emailed to me about the $816 violation. Violating something that you didn't do wrong. Right. I mean, there was a violation that didn't happen. (laughs) There was no violation. You're still being charged. I just, I love the, uh, and this is all basically because of the tolls by mail. You know what used to happen? Used to, before you could go through the booth, you gave them 15 cents and you're on on your way. And then that was it. The end of transaction. That's right. End of story. It's like I had to buy a new pair of shoes. My dog eats my shoes. I need to keep her out of uh, the room that I keep my shoes in. So I had to get a new pair of dress shoes. I got a lot of weddings coming up. And, you know, I go to buy dress shoes. And this used to be a very simple transaction. You know, I have the shoes. I give you the money. And then I keep the shoes. And then we're on our way. 
Yes, and now quick. you know it's like you need. No, can I have your phone number? Can I have your email address? Like, what? What? Why? I, I need a pair of shoes. I'm going to give you money for the shoes. Do you need this? Uh, is there going to be a recall on the shoes? Are they going to spontaneously combust that you need to warn me about and uh, have them sent back in to you know wherever it was? I I don't think so. It, but things are more and more complicated, and because they're getting more and more complicated, the fees are maybe more and more likely to happen. A fifteen cent toll which is, I think, the most typical for all of us here in western New York because you're just going, you know, when it's the Williamsville, maybe it's the Blaisdell, and you're, uh, you know, boom, 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 spending that minute on the thruway to avoid some traffic on Main Street. Fifteen cents, if for some reason it slips your mind to pay fifteen cents back, which no blaming you for fifteen cents, it's slipping your mind that you drove on the thruway one time, the late fee charge for not paying that tolls by mail bill, which, by the way, turns that fifteen cents into like two dollars and twenty cents. Right, is a hundred dollars. A hundred dollars, fifteen cents to if you're a daily. It's a hundred dollar charge on the uh, late payment, and this is somehow supposed to be making things so much easier on everyone who drives across the state of New York. This is yeah, this is the easy tolls by mail, cashless tolling. Remember, we had the parade of cars when this went to Grand Island, uh, but now. And I posted this on Facebook last hour, Brian, and the people who can relate, now not to the $800, but who've had, as you said, you had the $50 charge, that have been charged by these tolls by mail. And a lot of people that have it also said, well, I had an easy pass and it was funded. It's it's amazing to me that, that I am not going to, I'm going to tell you right now, maybe I shouldn't say this on the air, I'm not paying that $816. I mean, I just paid my taxes this morning. I'm not adding 816 yeah. to the state. <laughs> You've done enough tax work yeah. for one day on tax deadline day that you're totally done with it. I No, it is It is a, a – it's one of these infuriating things when you start talking about it. I get so upset because – and I think this stems from the, uh, like, parade of, you know, let's all applaud the cashless tolling that – you know, comes through. No longer do you have to stop at the toll booth. It's a great thing for all of us here. And I always wanted to say, hang on a second. When you say we're doing away with the tolls, you're doing away with the toll booths, right? right? I mean, a big applause would be doing away with the tolls, right? That would be throw a parade down the 90 if you ever do away with the tolls. I'll join it. But getting rid of the toll booths, what does it do? Well, I mean, I guess you're not stopping. There's a little less traffic on the Grand Island bridges. I guess that's the place where it really matters. Um, a lot of these barriers are still up uh, yeah. over a year later. Um, they <laughs> haven't been removed, so you are still kind of slowing down and going through them. And all I've noticed is that I'm paying way more for all the tolls that I do use for one way or the other. And even if you have the easy pass to pay the same amount that you were paying before, Joe now owes <clears throat> for going through Grand Island a couple times. Going through Grand Island, going through that Williamsville uh, exit that you mentioned, Brian, that first one uh, on transit, and it's it's just ridiculous. I'd rather put up with the five-minute wait. Bring the barriers back. I'll put up with the five-minute wait. Or you know what? Let's go back to the 90s when we just all drove around with change in the middle of the, uh, <laughs> in the, middle of the car, and we threw it in a basket. I always Can had we just it. go back to the basket? I had $2 bills for taking uh, – because when I went to school in Brockport, the Leroy – it was a $2 toll from here to Brockport, and I, I had $2 bills that somebody gave me 
that I was somehow was able to get. And I had them in the car, stacked, boom, $2. There you go, right there. there. You go. And that was actually kind of easy. And even though I definitely did not like paying $2 to go every single time, at least I knew, all right, boom, I'm paid for. I never have to worry about this again. Um, and now everyone's getting these things sent in the mail. And it's the thing that you don't think you don't think you have to pay, you have to worry about. I had the Easy Pass. You know what never happened when we had the barriers with an Easy Pass? This. This never <laughs> happened with barriers and an Easy Pass. I had the same amount of time. I didn't get stuck in the in the five minute wait because I had the Easy Pass. It is this crazy. Never happened. It is because on that uh, bill that you got by mail, it'll show your car with the license plate. Yes. And. They would know that the license plate has an Easy Pass account to it. Yes. So that should be able to be easily matched up and taken care of on the back end. And the funny thing is, it the toll was taken care of online. I didn't have to talk to a single person. It's the violations that I can't get waived. The violations <laughs> for the toll that got that they waived. The tolls that through the internet, all I did was put my Easy Pass tag in. I had to you know take it off the Velcro, put the t- uh, tag in my computer, wait a few seconds, and. The, the money, the $12 for the tolls, disappeared. The violations have not. I get a reminder in my email, and I'm asked to call a number. I've called that number once this morning, and guess what? No live person there to take my call. Listen, if we can take solace in one thing, it's that because of violations like that, all of our state roads are in great shape. And we're never yeah. worrying about a pothole or anything like that because of Joe's $800 and everything. I, I've always brought up this, and I've asked this question a bunch of times. When they were talking about removing the Grand Island tolls, period, um, I know uh, Congressman Higgins has brought up a lot, especially at Williamsville, and I would imagine he'd say the same for Blaisdell, a toll-free zone for the area. It would help on Main Streets in Williamsville so much with the traffic that so many people are driving through, uh, you know, well, used to drive through when you used to go to the office, right, uh, at those busy times of day, in letting people go through with no toll. If you're just yep. going from here to there, that 15 cents, waive the fee if you uh, are just going in that area. It should not be something that's that hard to do. And I've always brought up the question when that comes up, you know, if you go to Pennsylvania, you're driving all through the state from the tip near Erie all the way down to the city of Pittsburgh. You don't pay a cent. You go over 18 million bridges when you're in that city and not a single dime is asked for. And somehow everything's still in, in great shape. Those roads better condition than most roads here in New York State. And let me ask you this. Is the 190 in any worse shape since they got rid of the tolls? I don't. It's it's. <laughs> I, I, I haven't noticed that much of a difference. I have to say, but uh, you know, good luck, Joe. Oh, thanks, Brian. With your, just know you have my moral support here. That's all I need. If you need an angry face to uh, stand behind your shoulder, I I'll be that it. guy for you. And we'll be back tomorrow. Beamaz and Beamer on WBEN. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network. From big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 